0: Welcome to Bryology 101 2019 edition. Thank you so much for listening. We have an incredible episode for you today. Before we start, I need to give a shout out to two of our sponsors. The first one is Refinery Barbershop. Book an appointment at refinerybarbershop.com. It is the number one premier barbershop in Utah County. They have the best barbers and the best experience that you could ask for from head vacuuming to beard trimming to the best fades these dudes are studs they're tatted up they're not weird they'll make you feel at home literally all of my friends go there it is the number one barbershop go he'll hook you up and you'll have a lifetime friend he is absolutely incredible ask for steve or braxton those are the two best barbers at the barbershop and they will definitely become lifelong friends that you have forever the next sponsor is players pass Golf more, pay less, pay for a membership, $99 for the entire year, and golf for 50% off at your favorite golf course around you. Now that we have those out of the way, the podcast we have today is my favorite podcast I've ever done, and I've only done four, but Steve talks about self-worth, finding your path to happiness, finding your purpose, suicidal thoughts and how to overcome self doubt and how to start and finish your entrepreneurial journey and how to become the person that you wanna become. He's an incredible friend of mine. He is an expert in many ways of life. He was once an officer in the county jail and is now a barber of the Refinery Barbershop, one of the most premier barbershops in the nation and the number one in Utah County. Please give it up for Steve Roccazella. I'm so stoked that you're on here. Thank you. I'm happy man. that you're Thank the you. first one. Cool. Not because um, of anything besides like I love you. You've been like my best mm-hmm. friend, one of my best friends, and most welcoming since I came here after my mission to Utah. Nice man. Because I think Thank I you. literally came to you the day after I got here, mm-hmm. didn't
1: I? Yeah, you were pretty. You were pretty fresh. I was like yeah. right <laughs> off my mission, and and what Rick a, drug me in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What and, What a place to. To see when
0: you first get home <laughs> to man. open up to go <laughs> yeah. to the barbershop man and dana was there and so i'm just super thankful that you were able to work this out so that you could come and see me and and hang out so that's just super awesome i'm honored so, thank you honored. yeah i want you on here every week You want thank you that would be fun that'd be sweet i've been telling you since day one where do you need a podcast mm-hmm. in the barbershop
1: that's true yeah True, it'd be man. the
0: best podcast on the market
1: we have so many amazing conversations in there you know like a lot of times it's just light and fun but it gets really heavy you know we oh. you know people we, we just share our lives with each other and, and i'm such an open book i'm surprised some of my clients actually come back and i'll tell them <laughs> stories and they <laughs> and you they know i come. think oh this might be the last time i see this guy but nope they always come back <laughs> it always so. spread the side conversations because there's always three in the
0: in-depth conversation and there's like braxton's cutting some guy's hair who's not talking at all and i'm always mm-hmm. like "Ooh, he might be uncomfortable right now yes. listening to this or oh well, yeah it just happens but yeah. alan he always calls it male therapy mm-hmm. he's like i don't even need a haircut i just need some male therapy so oh, he goes man, in there alan. he's oh, the man, man dude yes we've been working out every day alan and nice. i at blender bottle
1: okay so you, mean, well i didn't know that you worked there too
0: i don't i don't work there but he'll always text me i mean i shouldn't be working out there but he usually will text me and be like, hey, do you want to work out at 7 o'clock tonight? So he'll get off, and mm-hmm. I'll just meet him there, and we'll go to the gym.
1: Okay. That kid's shredded. Oh, yeah. He's he's, he's a beautiful like... man.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's... he's one of the better-looking dudes mm-hmm. that like – so Saheli, so my girlfriend, her older brother is gay, right. right? And for my birthday party, and I can totally say this because they're, they're open about it, but mm-hmm. I had a birthday party in January, and a bunch of people came over, and mm-hmm. – I'm really close to her older brother. He's a really good friend of mine. I love him. So him and all of his friends that are also gay came over because sometimes Saheli and I go up there and spend time with them. Like they're awesome. Mm -hmm. And they came over to my birth party and Alan was there and they were just in the corner snickering like little high school girls at how good looking he was. So it's not only the (laughs) girls that think he's the best looking one. It's Mm -hmm. the dudes too. And he's just, he's the coolest one about it too. Yeah, He's just so chill. He is.
1: He's He's a very humble person. He's yeah. Very humble, and he's very talented, and he's had a, has a lot going on, but he's so cool about it all.
0: So chill. He's like, "Yeah, yeah I ride mountain bikes. I'll send it a hundred mm. feet. Like, I don't really care. I broke my collarbone, still mm. lifting. Flying
1: airplanes. Yeah, I'm gonna be a pilot. Yeah. What's,
0: he got engaged. You saw that, right?
1: Uh oh. Oh, you missed. I knew. Me. I knew it was happening because I've seen him recently, but I didn't. Maybe I. I'm terrible with social media. Dude, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I've I'll, been bad. I'll end up. I'll. I'll probably text him now. Just tell him congrats or something yeah, or, yeah I'll, I'll he uh,
0: he got engaged well and did you you didn't see this then probably rick got engaged oh i did see that you did yes I so did. rick that's the refinery barbershop the the t-shirt rick wore it to get engaged that damn
1: wh- where have i been i'm sorry <laughs> man i'm missing everything that's dude. the shirt he wore on. i was like he's
0: like i need my d-day shirt my refinery oh, shirt to propose awesome man so he that wore so that bad. to propose damn. to to lena
1: that's awesome. Alan I'm, I'm, I'm assuming she said yes, right?
0: Well, we don't know yet. I think she said, maybe we'll see. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. She said, yeah, <laughs> she said, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Dude, they don't know. Rick was talking to me. They might get married in New Zealand or oh, somewhere know. else, but you know, good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. I like yeah. a lot of people are getting married for other
1: people these days. I have, a, so. I have a sister and brother-in-law that live in New Zealand actually. Oh really? Yeah. Is yeah. it pretty
0: sweet over there? Man, it sounds
1: like it. Yeah. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law is a movie director. And he was one of those dudes that was like, if Trump gets elected, I'm leaving the country. And he, he went, did it. He went through on his word. Yeah. No so they way. Took off he was in a in man New of his Zealand. word on that. Yeah. Do you regret it? or Does there. he love it? I'm sure he's really happy over there. I haven't talked to him for oh, a minute, really? But yeah. New Zealand. They, they, I always they heard they Canada
0: happy. or Mexico, but they're like, mm-hmm. nope, we're leaving. We're
1: going somewhere yeah, sick. They're going, yeah. They're going way out there. Well, that's so. cool. Well, dude,
0: I want to, mm. I know a lot about you just cause we're always talking about, but I want to know. I want you to share kind of your story from um, birth to now from how you grew up to kind of the middle age, 20 years old, becoming a police officer to finding what you now love as being a barber and how that all kind of played out. Um, I don't want it to be like super long, but Mm -hmm. just I want you just to be sincere and honest and just let everyone know who you are and why. You're one of the greatest dudes on planet Earth right now, oh, if you were to ask me. Thank
1: you. Of course. You. Okay. Well, I'm uh from Southern California, originally born in San Diego, then lived in Riverside in my kind of middle school years and then out to Long Beach and uh to live with my dad. My parents are divorced, have been since I was real little. Mm-hmm. Um Spent most of my time with my mom and stepdad. They are not religious or anything and just had kind of a normal childhood and just mm-hmm. in San Diego Riverside area. And then um I was a little bit of a troublemaker. I I turned uh eighteen at the end of my junior year because I had to repeat a grade earlier in oh, life. Yeah, okay. I I haven't done That great kind with of troublemaker. Yeah, right, I see. Yeah. So uh um Already, yeah, so I ended up getting kind of booted from uh mom and stepdad's house and ended up out in Long Beach living with my dad, okay, and they tried to get me to go to high school and finish, and I was like, no I'm eighteen i'm gonna I'm not doing not do my own thing, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, but what did happen is they ended up introducing me to the l d s missionaries, oh, okay, and kind of got. They always get gone. yeah, yeah, so my my uh dad and stepmom are members of the church, oh, okay, um and there's a real weird story i don't know am i am i doing good on time have you're time doing just great no just yeah for the people that are lds that are going to listen they might appreciate this story. Yeah, yeah yeah keep going but um yeah so so my dad was uh drafted to vietnam mm-hmm. and my grandfather this is these are some deep deep sicilian people with a lot of connections okay. um uh he said, I can get you out of going to Vietnam, but you have to break up with your girlfriend and marry the woman that the family wants you to marry. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. So he broke up with his girlfriend. That was his high school sweetheart. And, uh, and my grandfather got him out of the draft through uh, a doctor connection that they had. The doctor basically diagnosed him
0: with something, with something that would
1: disqualify him. No way. And then, uh, so after he got out of that, he ended up not marrying the girl he was supposed to marry. Oh, and he okay. married my mom instead. They had me, got divorced, and then he ends up reuniting with his high school sweetheart that my grandparents did not want him to marry. Oh. But during the time that they were apart, uh-huh. she joined the church. Okay. And so when she reunited with my dad, he said, "You know, yes, I'll marry you, but you have to be baptized into the LDS church. And so he did. And so they've been LDS ever since ever since. And so when I went to live with them, they're like, well, if you're going to live here, you need to go to seminary. Man,
0: your dad has ultimatums. (laughs) People keep giving him ultimatums. Yeah, yeah, I know. Vietnam or get married Mm -hmm. or
1: marry me, get baptized. It's like he had to do stuff. You know, and it turns out like, you know, she, my stepmom ended up kind of going inactive and my dad's the one that's probably followed the rules the best ever since. Really? So it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's a funny story. But, um, yeah, so they they had me go to seminary. And do they and, have kids? Yes, they have uh three three girls and a boy. Yeah. Okay. No, four girls and a boy. Three now. My my that my poor oldest boy, sister, man. yeah. Like my oldest sister passed away of cancer a few years back. Oh, so, I'm sorry. but No, thank you. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. Yeah, she she fought for uh seven years and 65 rounds of chemotherapy before she finally was like, I think I've fought I think a good I've fight. Yeah. Man, I've heard that chemo <laughs> just tears people apart. Yeah, it was, it was rough on her. Oh, but yeah, man. she was a fighter. So sad. Anyway, so, yeah, so I end up, uh, end up going to seminary and meeting some friends and then kind of getting fellowshipped into the church mm-hmm. and then uh, talking to missionaries. I end up joining the church uh, right after I turned 19. No, a few months before I turned nineteen. So in that year, time that I went to live with them, they got me. They the, got you. They, got they me hooked on board. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh a happens year, quick. They just convinced you. Greatest yeah. salesman
0: on earth are those Mormons.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, I was my heart was open to something. You know, I mean, yeah. I was like, I didn't have any direction. I'd been kind of, you know, just being a goof off for most of my life, and right. you know, like, and and I had a few experiences that I can't deny. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not active anymore, and that's a whole nother story. We may get into that and yeah may not. Later but that. um yeah i i had some some experiences that told me that yes, there's something out there that knows you and loves you mm-hmm. and wants good things for, wants you. The and, best for you and and I found that out through prayer mm-hmm. so uh so yeah so i i i believed it, mm-hmm. and uh over the course of the next year i I prepared to serve an LDS mission. So I went through all the steps. I got baptized, but it took me a little while after I got baptized to kind of figure stuff out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't quite know. Right. Yeah. And uh, like an example, like two weeks after I got baptized, I ended up going out to St. Clemente to go Surfing and fishing with one of my buddies, and he ended up talking me to going to a strip club oh. in uh, Oceanside. <laughs> like you know, so and you're you like, to, hey, I mean, yeah, man, I'm, I'm clean yeah, now. Yeah. I can, yeah, I there's got room fresh, for some sin. Yeah, yeah, dude, hey, man, I'm good with Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah, so I ended my heart. Yeah, so so I, I end up in a strip club. Two weeks after I get baptized, of course, the week after that, I'm back in the bishop's office saying, hey, man, I think I might have goofed up a little bit. (laughs) I feel bad. Yeah, I kind of feel bad. So then I had to read Miracle of Forgiveness, which is a A heavy book. Yeah. That's a heavy book. Yeah. And then yeah, after I read that, I pretty much didn't want to even touch myself when I went to the bathroom. (laughs) So I was good for the I was good for the next year. And uh, and I'm going on a mission. Where'd you go? Columbus, Ohio. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. are you Buckeyes fan because of that?
1: Nope. I oh, don't okay. really no wow. I don't really have a team. How was it? How was them, the mission? It was amazing, right you know like by, by the time I got to the point that I was ready to go on a mission, I was so all in with the church, and I don't regret one minute of my mission. I went out there every day and I worked my ass off mm-hmm. and I tracked it up until the like the morning that I went to the airport. We got up and tracked it before I got on, before up, I had to go yep. to the mission home. You know, yep. like I, I was a zone leader for like, gosh, probably 16 months or something like mm-hmm. that. Like I worked really hard every day. I didn't want to regret one minute of it. So right. I put my all into it and I learned so much.
0: So for those that don't know what's tracking and what's a zone leader.
1: Oh, so yeah. So like tracking is when you just go out and knock on doors and try to spread the word. And then a zone leader is just a, uh, it's a position of leadership where I was over all the missionaries in a geographical section of, of the mission. Yeah. It's a leadership so, role. Yeah, Leadership role. It's yeah.
0: interesting that you said it's so funny. Mm. People don't understand that the mission is great. Not because they think we're just sending out a bunch of white soldiers to go and baptize the masses. Mm-hmm. But I think of it as more like a, a training for life yes. because I, I mentioned say, my girlfriend's older brother earlier, mm-hmm. he served a mission mm-hmm. and it's so funny. he, he loved his mission. He will say that he is so happy. He served the things that he learned, the people he met, the connections, the habits. It all ties into who he is today. Mm-hmm. And it, for him, he'd say it doesn't have anything to do with necessarily the gospel or the church, but it had to do with what those two years taught him. I feel so like a lot of people don't understand that that you learn so much just being out there because for two years straight, you were caring about Everybody else except for yourself. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is serving and that's when you feel the best I mean me at least personally when I'm helping other people when I'm serving is when I personally feel the best in my life When I feel mm-hmm. like I'm actually giving back and for two years That's all you're doing you're only worrying about other people and their feelings and you just grow so much You become outgoing and you just you you seriously blossom as a person yes. being out there and I don't know what it is I don't know why it happens But it's just, it's honestly just a blessing. Like, I loved my mission. I served in Peru. Oh, beautiful. And it was just, oh, it was incredible seeing how poor they were and how much Mm -hmm. they needed help, but they were happy and and grateful. And you see people here who are so sad because they don't have this or that or something happened to them. You're like, people are literally just drinking dirt water and eating rice without a house Mm -hmm. and they're happy. Yeah. Why can't we be happy? And so I think it's
1: super interesting that you brought that up and the happiness of your mission. But so what, what happened after that? You get home from your mission. Yep. Got home from the mission and, uh, you know, just went to my singles ward and I also became a, uh, I, I volunteered at the Los Angeles temple okay. just to do what I could as an unmarried person. Right. But a, a temple recommended yep. holder. I don't know. I don't, now yeah, yeah, I'm, now yeah. I'm nervous about saying all the terms. No, <laughs> no, to no, no. Yeah. Anything. You were able to do but this. Yeah. Stuff. So I was just active, got a job, got a little truck and you know, I was I was your stereotypical Southern Californian. I was uh, I was a pool man. Nice. And then I would surf. Did you wear shoes? Flip flops <laughs> only? No shoes. Uh, I wore I wore Vans, sh- uh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> of I course wore Vans all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No shoes or Vans. Yeah, Vans <laughs> with like you know cut off dickies or yep. dickie shorts or something. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then I would listening to Sublime. Um, and yes, of course, my <laughs> favorite band. <you laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I did. I was a pool man and then a surfer, and then I would go to go to college at night, and, uh-huh. and you know that was my life until I met my my uh, my little eternal companion sweetheart, mm-hmm. which is no longer that, but which uh, is now yeah. ex sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and then um, so I lived. I just lived at home until you know I I proposed to to my ex wife. Mm-hmm. Her name's Heather. Amazing woman, gotten nothing to s- bad to say about her. She's mm-hmm. a great mom and a great woman. Yep. Um, just in case she ever hears this, she probably won't. But, uh, <laughs> but maybe she I don't know. She Heather, might, you're and, awesome. Um, if you hear this, yes, yes, you are. And you guys got married, and then you stayed in California, mm-hmm. or well, actually, what we did was we got engaged, and then decided, like, how the hell are we gonna live out here? Right, like we're gonna have to live in like Snoop Dogg's old neighborhood. <laughs> like, we don't have we don't have any real education. Mm-hmm. We don't have any. Did you dropped out of high school? Right, you didn't finish. Yeah, yeah. So so back then. They had lower standards for missionaries. So like I actually went into the MTC with not only a shitload of tattoos, but (laughs) no, but no GED or, or diploma. No way. I didn't know that. But, but the funny thing is, is like when I got home, I went to this adult school and enrolled to take the the GED test Uh and I went in there and signed up for all the tests and I didn't study one minute to prepare for those tests and I passed all of them in like the top 5% in the country. And I can, I credit that to reading scriptures every day. No, you don't. Absolutely. I think because I got up and I read that old English, whatever the hell that (laughs) is like, yeah. And had to like learn all these big words. Like it just, it just was great training to get my brain to be able to comprehend things quickly. Yeah. So I just went in there and I just flew through all those tests, passed them all, got my GED, but I was like 21 when I got my GED no way and then you went yeah. to college wow yeah and then I started yeah attending college classes uh, so you guys
0: knew you couldn't afford California yeah we
1: couldn't afford it so I had all these friends that I'd met from Utah oh okay and they're all in their early 20s and they're buying houses and just having Seriously. these great lives and that just wasn't the case out which in California. is a topic in and of itself of yeah.
0: mommies and daddies mm-hmm. Lots of money giving Mm -hmm. them. But anyway, so you moved to Utah. Yeah,
1: it just seemed like a more hospitable place. So I called my mission president. Mm -hmm. And my fiance and I, we just packed what we could fit in our cars. And we just drove to Utah and lived with my mission president for like three months while we got jobs and saved some money and then got married in the Salt Lake Temple.
0: Really? What is stellar? Um, Do you
1: still talk to him? You know what? It's weird you say that because I probably haven't talked to him in seven or eight years. And just the other day, he just... Messaged me on Facebook, just like, mm. "Hey, I love you. I miss you. Thank for all your hard work in Ohio." Wow, it was so it was so weird. Yeah, That's that he would just awesome. randomly reach out after all these. It years. makes you feel but important, huh? It does. Yeah, it makes you feel loved. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I'm glad he hasn't forgotten about me because I, I Those are some good
0: dudes. Those mission yes. presidents. He, he's oh. amazing. He was there
1: amazing. He yeah, he was a great example. Is to he me. here in Utah? Yeah, yeah. He uh, lives in Bountiful. Tell me, come get a quick fade. I, oh, I, don't. Ooh, I don't know if he'd do that. like, come get a haircut. I'll give you a fade. Yeah. I'll shave your beard. Yeah, I would love to go. I would love to go visit him and see him again. But I don't know what I'd tell him. My life has changed so much. I don't know I'm sure he what he would be happy to hear and what he wouldn't. <laughs> I out. mean, but, um, he still loves you. I'm yeah. sure he'd be well, good. Well, yeah, he does. Yeah. And then you guys got married. So yeah, you got married Salt Lake Temple. And then just, yeah, and then just kind of started life. Kids? Um, uh, well, so about... I'm I'm a little fuzzy on on the timeline exactly, but within the first year that we were married, she got pregnant, mm-hmm. and I felt like, like I was I was going to college and delivering for Office Depot, right? I was a driver, and um, I was like, well, crap! If we're gonna have a baby, I better go get a real job. <laughs> yeah. So this will this will be a nice segue into sheriff's office. Oh, okay. So so one of the places that I applied or uh, that I delivered to was the Salt Lake County Jail. Mm-hmm. And there was these guys that I would always meet when I would do deliveries, and they're like, hey, we're hiring and you need to come and apply and get a real job and all this kind of stuff. So then after, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to do law enforcement, that's not my jam. I'm right. not a huge fan of like, you know, working for the government, right, and telling right. people what to do Against and all this man. kind of stuff. Yeah, wearing the uniform. But uh, But once my wife got pregnant, and I was like, well, shit, I probably go need to get a real job, benefits, you know, they have benefits yeah. and all that stuff, and what I thought at the time was good money, which was like $14 an hour. Great money. So um so I ended up going down and applying with the sheriff's office. And uh before I before I go into that, my my wife ended up miscarrying mm-hmm. that baby. And that was that was a big that was a big like for us in our marriage And we didn't do real well with that So within mm. the first year we, we already faced a pretty big challenge right. That neither one of us really handled very well mm-hmm. um, But uh, we, we, we do have kids though We ended up having three mm-hmm. Just a few years later We we'd end up having uh, my son Jackson Who's now 14 And then uh, Hayden 12 And Reagan, my daughter, she's 9 So I do have three kids okay. uh, But yeah, at, at that time we were pregnant and then lost the baby, Oh man! but I had already applied with the sheriff's office and all that. So I, I prayed about the sheriff's office job. I was still active in the church at the time. And, uh, uh, I was like, well, if this is what I'm supposed to do, this is, this is what I'll do. And at the same time I'd applied with the sheriff's office, I had one of my mission buddies had just joined the army. And this was right after nine 11. And so I was like, well, yeah, maybe I'll go join the Army. Then I can go, you know, yeah, whoops, yeah. mass and, and all this. And so I'm going through the process of applying with the Army, going and doing like the, the, the test and all that stuff, ASVAB or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, doing that test. I did that. I scored real high. Yeah, I did good there. Um, and I was also going through the hiring process with, with with the sheriff's office. How old were that. you at this point? I was like 23.
0: Oh, so military is not a bad gig. Going for 20 years, get out mm-hmm. 43, have retirement. Yeah, yeah I didn't play. know what I was
1: doing. I was just looking for some sort of job that was gonna give me benefits. Right. And I don't know why I picked law enforcement and military. <laughs> Cause like, I don't, I'm not down for really either one of those things. I mean, not that I'm not like a patriot, I well, love Well, knowing country, you now, I would never see you. Good. <laughs>
0: yeah, I would never see you yeah. in that almost dictatorship position of, yeah let me tell you what to do and mm-hmm. or else right. type of thing. Yeah. So that's
1: so funny that you were yeah. shooting for that. I definitely became that guy. But yeah, I just seemed like those, those seemed like jobs that had good benefits and decent pay without a lot of education. Cause I still didn't have a degree in anything yet. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well I, I prayed about the army, prayed about um, the sheriff's office and said, okay, it's in your hands, whatever happens, happens. So I go into the army the army recruiter's office to fill out some paperwork for a medical examination. And he's asking me these questions. Have you ever had this? You ever had that? You know, listing off all these different conditions and diseases and, you know, stuff. And then he asked me, have you ever fainted? I can't remember exactly what it? said. Have you ever lost consciousness just for, for, you know, just out of the blue or whatever, for Mm -hmm. no reason. I don't remember the exact wording. And I was like, no. And as soon as I said that, I passed out. And I felt, and I felt, and, and like, I guess he had scooted himself out of the way because when I came to, I was like, my head was at the feet of, of so his right chair. So right at the question, he asked if you yes. passed out and you just. And I, and I passed out like, <laughs> I don't know, dude, I don't did know they if ever like, figured, did if they like diagnose I you? myself out. Well, so what ended up happening was he's like, well, now that that's happened, we're not going to be able to continue this process right. until, until you go get checked out. And I didn't have health insurance. And so I didn't feel like I would be, I, I didn't feel like I had the money or, you know, to. Right, so, that's expensive. Yeah, so, Jeez, so really I kind be. of looked at it like, well crap, maybe that's my answer. Maybe the army isn't, isn't my thing, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, because I was still at the time very you know. Maybe a gift but, from God. So you didn't, yeah, so possibly. Today, yeah. So helping people in the chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, so so then it was like, okay, I guess I'll just focus on the sheriff's office and hope there's no other fainting incidents. And you know, twenty years later, almost there hasn't been, you know, right. So there so hasn't been anything. Thing. Yeah, once in my, you know, once in my forty-one years on this earth, I've fainted. you meant for re- something. I've man. passed out for yeah. other reasons before, but not no reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe after a few too many drinks yeah. or something. But uh, but just sitting yeah, there in an interview. Yeah, and just, but I, I, I think part of it was because I was kneeling down at his desk. you were on I your wasn't, knees. Yeah, I was kneeling because yeah, he. I was sitting in a chair. And like I had to go up and like look at the paper, and so I knelt down. And I'm I'm wondering if maybe because I was kneeling, the change of uh, yeah yeah. yeah so I don't know. No, yeah, dude, you just you had yeah. like
0: an angel watching you or something. It was like, Seriously. hey, you're meant for
1: more than this. You're gonna get yeah. shot, bro. You're yeah. not meant for. So yeah, so so now I'm like, okay, let's focus on the sheriff's office. And so I ended up going through the whole hiring process with the sheriff's office, the physical fitness, the the written examination, the oral interviews, the background, all that, and. Uh, there was there was probably 250, 300 people applying for like 30 spots in the academy. Mm-hmm. And these guys that I was competing against, some of them were military. Some of them had, uh, they had already gone through the police academy and had all their certification and just wanted a job. A lot of them had college degrees. And here I am with none of those things. Right. And so when it was all said and done, I get a call from the sergeant who was in charge of hiring? He's like, hey, just wanted to let you know that you made the list. To to, uh, you know, you might possibly be one of our yeah. thirty. You know, you, you made the list of people, and I was like, wow, like is that list pretty deep? You know, is there a lot of people on there? He said, well, yeah, there's you know there's a hundred or so people. And I said, well, where am I at? He's like, well, you're number two. Whoa! And I was like, number two, like that's good, right? He's like, yeah, you're pretty much getting a job for yeah. sure, unless we find something crazy in your in your background. You're in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, like how in the hell did I beat out yeah, out of all these people? All of these people, you confidence know? Boost yeah. right there for and, sure. Uh, well, I thought that well, there was my answer. Yeah. There was the passing out in the in the recruiter office. The and lane then, has been given. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up uh, becoming a sh- uh, a sheriff's deputy, with Salt Lake County, as a jailer. So I worked in the county jail. And did
0: you? I mean, did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you...
1: Um, I ended up hating it. I didn't in the beginning, but I ended up hating it. Well, the reason I asked... Hating ask, it to the point that I wanted to put a bullet in my head, and that's no joke.
0: Really? Yeah. Absolutely. So did do you think hating it so bad is what pushed you to find what you now love in being a barber? Did, yes, that
1: was a huge motivation. Do you think it absolutely. was
0: almost... Necessary, like if we're going to talk about this path that you mm-hmm. fainted and you got this job, do you think it was? Look, you're not going to find what you actually love, or going to be able to build this huge barber shop which you now have if you wouldn't have gone through being a sheriff in the sheriff's department?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Um, it's it's all just happened. So it's almost like I haven't really been in charge of of any of this like I've I've made the decisions some really hard ones but I've just had incredible luck right and just being at the right place at the right time with the right people and it's just it's just been this amazing you know combination of making hard decisions and and luck I guess I don't know if that takes away I don't want that word to take away from the hard the blood, mm-hmm. sweat yeah. and tears that you went yeah. through. So I know you're but a
0: hard worker. You're one of the hardest workers mm-hmm. I know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's I mean, it's been grind.
1: Yeah. So I mean like I got to the point at the at the sheriff's office where I was in that environment there isn't a lot of room for compassion, for empathy. Like you'll get eaten alive in that place. Like, I was at the Salt Lake County Jail. Like, there's a lot of jails in Utah, but the Salt Lake County Jail, that is a real jail. Yeah. That's... There's over 2,000 prisoners in that place. Like, we hold um, in-transit federal prisoners, all of the all of the uh, immigration detainers, you know. Like, all of your—like, that was—that's that, that's a real jail. Mm-hmm. And I went straight to maximum security, just oh. about right out, right off of my top of top like training. So right. I graduated the academy, went into the jail and was like, had a trainer for a few months. You know, just kind of helping me learn the job. And then right. within a few months after that, I was transferred to maximum security. And it was nuts. Really? Yeah. Some right. crazy dudes in there? Yeah, I mean, I was getting in fist fights. Like and all you've the never time. been in anything like that before. Well, no, I was I was a little bit of a scrapper when I was in school. Okay, yeah, so I was nothing too with like un- maximum security people. Yeah. I mean, they're psychos. Yeah, yeah. There's like
0: they, fighting kids in the school parking lot, and then there's like fighting a legit like,
1: psycho. Yeah, who like did a something. murderer. Yeah, or a gangbanger or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh and it really like it, it taught me a lot about, I guess the 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 ego side of being a man and just how to. Uh, Like, I I learned a lot about maintaining composure in, like, tough situations and uh, keeping my cool. Um, I grew a really thick skin, Um, you know, because you're called every name in the book. You know, I mean, like, I've had people, you know, throw feces at me and urine Mm. and blood and uh, you know try to assault. Do you just feel
0: disrespected disrespected when they do that? Nah, I I
1: didn't not really. Not really. I just like that. Feces actually like a monkey. Like when what point do they have to reach where they're throwing when they're throwing feces at you? Well there's usually some mental illness in there. Okay. and, And and all I do I just represent the government to them. It's nothing personal against me. It's just I represent the government. I'm wearing that that badge and that patch that says Salt Lake County Sheriff and that uniform, and I represent everything that they hate. Um, A lot of them anyway.
0: Do you think that there's a lot of focus on that and their mental illness, but do you think there's not as much focus on maybe the guards or the police officers? Because I feel like you have to almost become emotionally numb
1: in that position. Absolutely.
0: And like you said, you earn a thick skin, but... Almost to a fault where it could pass over to your family life and your friend life Mm -hmm. and every relationship that you have is now an almost emotional roller coaster of you don't know if it's you, if it's them. It's hard to trust people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you probably are walking around looking over your shoulder. I mean, I don't know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't go to a restaurant without sitting somewhere where I was either close to a door or could see the door. Oh, you know, and I'm like I had a gun on me all the time, you uh-huh. know, just waiting for someone to come in and shoot the place up, you're just you know so um, it mentally affected you for sure, yeah, oh, absolutely, do you yeah. think that happens
0: to every- most the majority of other people in that profession
1: it does it it happens to everybody, but not everybody deals with it the way that I did, mm-hmm. like I was really good at my job, I was a very good officer, I had I'm not gonna say I didn't have fear, but I never once allowed fear to stop me from doing any of the crazy shit that I had to do. Um, I went into that environment every day. I told myself I would rather die in this jail doing the right thing than living as a coward. You know, like I will never let fear stop me from doing what needs to be done, even if it means my life. Wow. You know, so you were dedicated, um, you were committed. Very, yeah. Like, I just didn't want to live that. I, I, I couldn't live with myself if I, you know, pussed out <laughs> in, in the middle right. of something big and somebody else got hurt because of that. You know, I wasn't going to let that happen, so...
0: And do you think that's more you or do you think that's more of how they trained you to be?
1: That's more me. That's more me. Yeah. I mean, like, they... Yeah. the The, the academy was more about learning... Well... B- I didn't learn that lesson in the academy i I learned it through the 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 brotherhood and sisterhood that that I built with my fellow officers like, right you know like there was a there was groups of us that we knew we could trust with our lives mm-hmm. and there's other ones that we knew we couldn't right you know a lot of people get into that line of work you know being a government thing you know they'll they want to make sure they're fair and equitable with right. who they hire and stuff like that. And they end up hiring a lot of people that should not be in the, They be don't in have there. the guts yeah. for it. And yeah, and, and I've been left on my own before. I've been left on my own in, uh, to fight while another officer watched mm-hmm. and didn't help. You know, And, wow. and, I'll, and I'll never be that I'll never You're jumping be that in. Person. Yeah. Oh, I'm there. I'm yeah, down. You're, yeah. you're, <laughs> yeah, you're in the rumble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's not because I want to hurt people. It's just because I want to... You know, it's like, right. Yeah, you I know like what you're supposed go, like, to do. And my job is to maintain control and order yeah. in this place. And you know, they are, uh, the, those prisoners are citizens. Well, you're very methodical and, uh, just and,
0: as a person, like as seeing you and being part of, I'd like to say your life and visiting with you, you're very mm-hmm. methodical in what you do and you're always going to go 110% in what you do. Yeah. I mean, with the barbershop, I don't think there's very many people that could just jump from being an officer Mm-hmm. to strategically thinking and becoming the man that you are now mm-hmm. and creating almost this empire and family and culture. That's the thing about Refinery that mm-hmm. I don't think anywhere else even has is the family culture that you've built. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and we'll get into this later, but I think it's something of why you haven't scaled as quickly as you've, as as maybe people have thought you should or the mm-hmm. barbershop hasn't. I mean, now we're expanding, you're gonna go huge, right? You have yeah. big plans. But it's because you knew what you wanted to do mm-hmm. and you had your own strategy and your own morale to say, this is how I'm gonna do it and this is what I'm gonna do. And I think you were probably the same way as an officer. Mm-hmm. The way that you said, this is how I'm gonna do it, this is how I'm gonna become. And that's just how you live your life. Yes. Have you ever thought about that? Like you're yes, just a very 110% methodical person yes. and you're meticulous in what you do every, everything you do is perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say you're perfect, but you strive for perfection when you do I something. Do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I feel like, you know, this time around in life, you know, maybe in past lives <laughs> or something, I was something different, but I feel like this time around, yeah, I'm going to have some fun and I'm going to enjoy life, but I'm here to progress and to take care of business. And, and like, I, so yeah, like I put my heart and soul into every, everything that I do. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, half-ass it, man. <laughs> you yeah, know? and and it makes me feel good. I, I have no regrets that way. So,
0: yeah, you're you're an example. No. I feel like a lot of regret is nasty thing to live with. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I might have a few regrets. I think everyone has regrets, but it's it's probably the worst thing that you could deal with is not fulfilling the potential that you think you have Mm -hmm. or know you have and regretting it in the future, regretting, you know, not going um, forward with a business idea or in a relationship or Mm -hmm. just little things that will tear you apart your whole life. I think a lot of people have that. Mm -hmm. I think it's a big cause of anxiety. It's just people just constantly thinking of the past.
1: Well, actually I, I relate, you know, and I could be wrong here. I, I relate anxiety with the future and depression with the past. Okay. You know, anxiety is when you when you you've put your mind to the task of trying to solve some future event that may or may not Hasn't ever even happen. Yeah. That's anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then depression is when you're living in the past. But that's just my that's just No, my and I, I think you're right. It. And I, I think
0: people nowadays have both, which absolutely is crazy. They're like, I'm depressed and I'm anxious, and I don't know which mm-hmm. one I'm living in, and it's just a feeling yeah.
1: that they have. Yeah, and, and unfortunately... They're never in the present moment, which is the only moment we really have. You know, yeah. the past is gone. The future at this point is How still often do you
0: see that in the chair? When you're just talking to people, you're cutting their hair, they're spilling all their beans to mm-hmm. you. How often do you just... I mean, you're a great listener, but how often do you just think, like, man, you're just not
1: living in the moment. You're not being you right now. Yeah, 95% of the time. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everybody is... Uh, either talking about something they're going to do or they're, uh, you know, and, and of course like people want to come and share and you know, like, I like to share my life with, with people too. And and I go into the past. Right. When, when it's necessary, but I'm mindful of what I'm doing. You know, um,
0: have you read the book, the present?
1: I haven't, um, but yeah, I have read one's probably similar. It's called the power of now. Oh, I haven't is, read that uh, one. We'll yeah, swap. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. We'll it's swap. Yeah. Sweet. I would the, love that. The
0: present changed my life. It talks mm-hmm. about the past future in the present and how to utilize those tools to have a better present with what you're doing today mm-hmm. um and it was it's incredible we'll, we'll book swap that one because they're okay. so and we, i want the power of now power of now yeah all right we're swapping book. that yeah Jeez. okay you. so you're in you're an officer mm-hmm. when did you when did barbering enter your mind you go from hating it Wanting, you know, suicidal to I need to change. Where did barbering come in
1: to all this? So, so, um, I had had in, I'm about 10 years into my sheriff's office career, and uh, by this time, like, my marriage is pretty much ruined Mm -hmm. where we're still together, but barely completely lost my testimony in anything religious. Um, so no God, no nothing. Yeah, was super jaded, negative, hateful, jealous. You know, I couldn't drive down the road and look at somebody else's vehicle that was nicer than mine and be like, man, fuck this guy. And this <laughs> Mercedes yeah. in your big house. It's like I was just com- pessimistic. I, yeah, I was a complete victim. You know, I was like all these other officers where we would sit around at the sheriff's office on a break and just bitch about how we didn't make enough money and how we didn't... Uh, you know, like like our, our, our fate was in the hands of the county council or the, sh- or, or the sheriff or our supervisors. Everybody was holding us down and keeping us back and just a total victim role. You know, it's so humiliating to even admit that I thought like that ever, mm-hmm. but I did. Like I was just... Well, common thing. Yeah, it was, it was very infectious in the jail, that negativity and uh, that sense of helplessness. And I'd seen all these other guys try to leave and go do something else and they all came back. You know they couldn't succeed oh, wow. at their little business venture, so they end up coming back to the jail, and they're even worse off than they were before. Oh yeah, and um, so they don't have yeah, confidence so, in themselves anymore. You know, so 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 I had had an i had, had an incident where, um, I ended up having like I I'd had, had been prone to anxiety attacks a little bit as as a teenager, and uh, and there's there's some reasons for that um, that have to do with like my childhood and my relationship with my parents and and things like that, but I. I suffered from, from some anxiety, but it went away for a long time. And then I find myself at this point at the sheriff's office where I wanted to get out of the jail. And so I was applying to go work for another department, still as an officer, but outside of the jail. Okay. And as I was going through that process, I was taking a test, and I ended up having an anxiety attack. And in the past, I noticed that, okay, this is anxiety. Like, it'll, it'll kind of go away in a few minutes or it didn't. And I ended up getting up and walking out of the test and I drove home and like I was shaky and just my heart was beating really fast and I just felt weird all over my body. I kind of felt like I was dying. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was happening. Like I was like, man, this, if this was anxiety, it should have gone away by now. Right. I went home and, um, I just like, I couldn't leave my wife's side for probably three or four days. Like I didn't go to work. Like I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't take a shower alone. Like I had to have either my wife or one of my kids sit in the bathroom with me because I felt like I was gonna die. It was cool. it was the most like it was this anxiety attack that just wouldn't stop. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, and so I went to the doctor, and uh, and he put me on some some pills, you know, to and try to mellow right. me out. You know, one of them was an antidepressant, and the other one was Xanax. Mm-hmm. And I knew about those types of drugs from right. working in the jail, and so I was really hesitant to take the Xanax. I took the the antidepressant, but not the the, the Xanax. But I went, I went three weeks where I couldn't, like I couldn't leave my house. You know, finally I, I ended up just like packing everybody in the car, and and my wife drove me to California to be with my parents because, like, we all thought I was having some sort of. Fucking mental. I was having a mental breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, what am I going to do? I, I can't go back to work. Like I can't work like this. How am I going to support my family? I don't know how to do anything else. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I started to think, well, maybe it's better. Maybe I'm better if I just die. You know, then my, my family will get life insurance money. My ex-wife can go and meet a guy that will take her to heaven like she wanted Mm -hmm. where I had given up on the church and I had failed there. You know, I just thought maybe it's better if I just, I just ice myself and just be done because I can't live like this. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of everything. You know, this guy that could go and fight in the county jail against these, you know, crazy ass dudes. Like, I can't even, I can't even take a shit by myself without one of my kids sitting in the bathroom with me. Right. Like, what am I going to do? And, and, and so I ended up starting to get the idea in my head that, uh, that I was going to kill myself and uh and i remember one night laying in bed hadn't slept in days hadn't eaten it had been uh it had been got yeah, like 3 weeks i think at least and uh and like i'd barely eaten anything i'd lost probably 25 pounds um hadn't been sleeping the that pill that the doctor had given me was so strong like he didn't tell me to kind of ease my way into it. He just said, "Just take the full dose," mm-hmm. and I ended up like having like auditory hallucinations and stuff like that. Pill was, was crazy. Me bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that pill hadn't started to the positive effects of it hadn't started to happen yet, and so I remember just laying in bed one night, and I, and my wrists started to burn. I was a like a an actual like a physical sensation of burning on my wrists, and I had this thought: if you just get up and you just cut those babies open, all of this stress and pain is just gonna bleed out and you'll be at peace finally. And I remembered seeing people in the jail cut themselves so many times and what a huge mess it was. I mean, I I actually had a guy die in my arms. He slid his throat open and he died. Right, I was the last thing he saw as as he left this life. And so, uh, you know, I was, that was a pretty traumatic experience. Um, But so I know how messy cutting could be and I was like no 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 you can't cut yourself you can't do that you can't let your kids see that that's like and it rarely ever works like dude if you're really going to kill yourself by slitting your wrist or your throat like you need to do it right or (laughs) it's just a big freaking mess dude. it doesn't most of the time it doesn't work um then you feel dumb after yeah so then so then like I was able to talk myself out of it for the night and I was like no I'm just gonna go shoot myself like I'll go out into the canyon somewhere and and I I woke up the next morning after getting a little bit of sleep and uh and like I'd had that thought pretty thick in my head and you know I I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to to do that. Right. I didn't even get to that point where I took the gun and went and left. I was like no, this is crazy. Like I can't there there has to be some hope out there, you know there right. has to be something. So I ended up calling the local police department and had them send a couple officers down and just take my guns and take them to the police department. And then they just book them into like an evidence locker and just hold it for you until, and so they, they, they talked to me a little bit as fellow officers. They, they could empathize with what I was going through and, uh, and they, they offered more help. Like, do you want us to take you somewhere? I said, no, I I think I'll be okay, but just get this temptation out. I've been, I'm not a suicidal person. I never have been. This is all new thoughts for me. Mm-hmm. Like like I just like but something inside just said just hang on, man. Just hang on. Don't You're give up. You're almost there. There's like yeah. the, end of the tunnel, keep pushing. So so with, within another week or so, that pill started to to take effect and I was able to go back to work at the jail again, but um I was never the same after that. Like I'd pretty much had some sort of just rewiring in, 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 in my brain. Something happened with that whole month that I was just in a yeah. constant state of anxiety and panic. Um, and so I, uh, at the time, my, my wife was a stay-at-home mom. I had the three kids and I'm thinking, like I picked up a second job doing security. I, I was basically a bouncer, even though I was only like 200 pounds and I'm like five 5'11", maybe if I'm lucky. I wasn't a big guy, but I ended up bouncing. 200 pounds? Yeah, not anymore. Soaking wet, man. Dude, you were two well, hundred. Yeah, and then well, but yeah, but I mean, I I, I ended up getting up to like two twenty. No when way. I was a, yeah, but that was after are you, I quit bodybuilding. No, I was a fat ass. <laughs> no, I got fat. Yeah, I got fat. No, but, like no, like I was I was working out, but uh-huh. I was I was fat as shit. Yeah, well, right. you look great now. Thank You've been on you, keto, sir. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah i have got all sorts of stuff. Oh yeah, man, yeah. you look yeah. great now. Thank you. You've Thank definitely. You. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've learned to take care of myself, but it took a lot of pain and suffering to get to that. I thought point. you were and saying two fifteen
0: of pure muscle. No, I was like, man, no, I'd love to see no, those pictures. No. I, w-
1: I was probably one eighty five solid. Still. And then and then like, yeah, I was yeah, two all the way up to two twenty, um my, at my heaviest. But uh yeah, so I was bouncing for this this venue called the depot mm-hmm. doing security for them. And uh and one day I say to my wife, I'm just like, you know, I need to find some sort of part time job that isn't security related. Like I'm sick of everything I do for a living come down to me just waiting for something bad to happen and then go deal with it or try to stop crazy people from doing shit. You know, like I just like, is there something else I can do? Such a stressful job. And just like out of nowhere, she's like, why don't you become a barber? I'm like a barber. Like where the (laughs) hell is this coming (laughs) from? You know, are there even barbers anymore? Like I didn't even know there was barbershop. I thought that was all like from the fifties, you know? (laughs) And uh, and I was like, well, all right, I'll 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 look into that. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going to a few barber shops in Salt Lake, ones that I thought were pretty cool. Okay. And I just hit up the owners like, hey, like, how do I get into this? Like, what are the steps? How do I become a barber? I don't really want to go to beauty school. Is there a place where I can just learn to be a barber? And uh, and they sent me to this place called the Barber School down oh, okay. in, in, in Midvale. So there was a school for barbers? Yes. <laughs> but, and this is where I say luck. One of the things that where I could apply the word luck there just happens to be the only traditional barber school left in the United States was in Salt Lake in City, Salt Utah. Salt Lake
0: City, Utah?
1: Yes. Of all places. Yes. Started started by this old man who had been a barber for seventy years and he taught nothing but old school barbering. So no clipper guards, you know, no like putting on the number full, I want a four on the sides and a six on I top know, or whatever. None up. of that. This was all freehand real old school barbering using a clipper and a comb and using shears and a comb it's kind of weak if you use those razor. guards oh yeah yeah dude yeah yeah that's basically painting by the no num- and i'm not saying that people can't <laughs> create like right like like people can do really good haircuts that way uh-huh but um to me it's it's like it's like painting by the numbers almost there's mm. nothing artistic about it even though the product might be beautiful at the end you didn't it's a coloring book. Yeah, but again, I hope there's not a lot of barbers listening that use guards because, I, dude, if you're doing good you're a hair barber cuts, fellas, using a guard. I are like, I respect you. You, know? you suck. You're a barber <laughs> but, uh, using a guard. <laughs> well, that's what this old guy taught don't, us. Don't apply for know? a refinery barbershop. Yeah. They won't hire you. Yeah, not you. if you use guards. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, but, but that was the attitude of this, the, this old man that ran the school. You know, he's like, no, if you're going to cut hair, you're going to do it. Right well, way. Yeah, we're going to do it the old school way. I'm going right. to teach you a real art form. Uh-huh. You know, and... Uh, and it's way faster too. It's, it's Oh yeah, you guys are faster. quick. Yeah. You guys whip them out. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I do I do two two haircuts an hour. So, I mean, to some people that's that's still slow, but I have a whole service. Like I'm a little more high-end. Oh yeah, you you're know, the I best. Do. Yeah, I do. Thank you. You're the thank best you, that
0: the, there's no I will put it down there's not a barber better.
1: Well, thank you. I lord.
0: mean, just the service, the way you cut, how the whole atmosphere, the conversation The hot towel, the vacuum of the Mm -hmm. head. None of you know about the vacuum of the head. It's like the greatest (laughs) thing ever. It's seriously the best. Like, you guys have it nailed down. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Like, it it is the best barbershop. It's fun,
1: and it's a a pleasure, you know. And And you'd
0: never guess Springville, Utah. mm -hmm. Just this incredible
1: barbershop just sitting. Mm -hmm. I mean, Springville's not even, like, the nicest area. It's just like. Yeah, it was weird how I ended up there, you know. But, uh, yeah, so I, I freaking walk into the barber school. And uh, I sit down and I talk to the to the recruiting people and they're like, "Okay, well, we need you here. If you're going to go part time while you work for the sheriff's office, we need you here like every evening, you know, Tuesday through Friday and then all day on Saturdays. And I'm like, oh, shit, I can't do Saturdays all the time. I do shift work for the sheriff's office. Um, So I left there a little bit discouraged, but the place had left an impression on me. There was something about walking in there and just listening to like that little gentle hum of the clipper. And, you know, the, the, the soft, peaceful conversations, the right. laughter, the aftershave, <clears throat> there was just something very peaceful about that place. And I had a draw to it. So what I ended up doing was I went back to the, the sheriff's office with this plan that, okay, I need to get into barber school somehow, right? Because if I keep doing what I'm doing, I just may end up yep. dying, you know, either yep. I'm gonna do something in crazy in this jail, or I'm gonna in myself <laughs> right because i don't want to go through what i went through before so obviously that was life telling me okay dude your nervous system is taking about as much of this as it can handle we you need to, to find get a out. new path yeah right or, or we're gonna which we're is gonna, wild that your body could tell you that yeah which, which it did that it, it just did. knows like hey buddy you got to get out of this situation so 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 what i ended up doing was was i basically created a need at the sheriff's office i went to my lieutenant knowing his personality I was like you know lieutenant I can't even remember his name now. Well, I I do, but I'm not going to say it. It's like, Lieutenant Smith. (laughs) um, I think that the jail needs an officer that just takes workers around all the time and cleans. Just cleans the whole jail. Just like a little crew of workers that just goes around and keeps the area clean all the time. It'll be like a full-time position so that that officer doesn't have to do anything else except walk around with these prisoners and Queenie. clean shit, yeah. right? He's like, you know what, that's actually not a bad idea. I said, and I know just who should do it, me, and these are the hours that, that I need to do it. I need to be Monday through Friday from like eight to five. No I was like, what way. do you think? Would, could we just run this as like a kind of a pilot program or something to see how it goes? And normally I would never do anything like that because in my mind, if you're the officer that just walks around and cleans, you're a freaking coward. You're trying to avoid <laughs> doing any of the hard stuff. You don't right. want to be down in the shit. You, you, you don't want to be fighting. walking you around with that. these. Yeah, you want to be walking around with these minimum security guys mopping. Did floors. it hurt your ego a little bit? Oh yeah, but but I but I knew what I was doing. Like you I had a like, vision. This is going to be my way out. Mm-hmm. So it took a while to get it like because he had to think about it for a few months and it just government works so slow so for, from the time that i walked into the barber school to the time that i actually enrolled and started school mm-hmm. it took me one whole fucking year of like 20. trying to develop this this need for this position and you know to find like, different entryways yeah, entry ways yeah, to get yeah. Going. So, so yeah so i kind of gave you a really, a really fast forwarded version of right. it or a condensed version but yeah so it took about a year but i created the cleaning officer position you invented and, it. Yeah. And, and I did it's it It's called the Steve. It, yeah. And of course, like all of you guys out there that work for somebody else, when you have a great idea, make your boss think it's your idea. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean their idea, you know, so I yep. kind of had to make it, I had to play to my supervisors and make them, you know, think that this was all their idea and uh-huh. I was just the guy that was going to execute it for them. So anyway, yeah. yeah. So I ended up manipulating my way into an eight to five gig Monday through Friday, which nobody has at the sheriff. There's very few positions that are like that. And with my level of seniority, I couldn't get any of those. So I just made up my own. Mm -hmm. And so, boom, as soon as that started to take effect, I went and uh, enrolled in barber school. And I went to school at night and on the weekends and then worked for the sheriff's office. So you were hustling. Yeah. and, And it took a year of barber school. So for a full year, you were
0: working full time and going to school every single night and on
1: weekends. Yeah, two, yeah, two Tuesday through Friday. I was Monday through Friday at the sheriff's office. Mm. Tuesday through Saturday at the, at, barber shop. at the barber school. Yeah. So Sunday, what was my one day off? And so oh. when when I went into the school, I just told the old man. I went up. I introduced myself to him. I said, Hey, listen, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I do now. Like I need to learn a new skill set that will allow me to support my family because if I don't, I'm gonna die, and that's no shit. <laughs> You know, like, and, and he's like, okay, we'll just do what I say. Don't question me, you know, yeah. uh, just, just cut the way I want you to cut and and I'll take care of you. I promise. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I believe you. Perhaps I have no choice. In. Yeah. I have no choice but to. And, uh, and so I graduated from barber school a year later and I had landed a full time gig as the barber for the art of shaving. Okay. The art of shaving is up at the fashion place mall. It's, it's a, it's a nationwide company. They're a sister company of Gillette. Okay. Owned by Procter and & Gamble. And they have these high-end men's grooming locations at, at all of the good malls around the country. And some of those locations have a barber chair, maybe mm-hmm. two. Vegas has a big one. Uh, Beverly Hills has a big one. Some bigger Yeah, but Salt Lake. S- Salt Lake had one chair. And I applied for that job. And they usually don't take people with less than five years of experience. But I had done so many straight razor shaves in barber school that I was better at it than all the other barbers that that were, that that were, that were applying. And the way that I cut hair without guards was a huge benefit as well. And so they gave me the job, one chair in the state of Utah for the art of shaving and I got it and they paid me hourly so it wasn't like I had to go into a normal barber shop and I got paid a percentage of every cut that I did. You got an hour. They actually rate. paid me an hourly wage of $18 an hour. And then I got to keep all of my tips and oh, wow. $18 an hour was $2 less an hour than what I was making at the sheriff's office after 13 years. And so counting my tips, my like I was making more an hour as a barber from day one as than a, I was after 13 years of working as a sheriff's deputy. Whoa. So again, Yes, I'd done the hard work, I'd put in the time, I'd done the practice, I'd prepared myself, but there was a little bit of luck there, I think, yeah. or if it's not luck, somebody, somebody looking out for me, because like, I shouldn't have gotten that job, you know, and so I was able to quit the sheriff's office and still support my family, right stay off at the home, life, right out of the gate, which doesn't happen. You know?
0: I don't think it's luck. I think that's you. I think that's literally you manipulating what you've been given and being resourceful to, I mean, you were probably great. Like you just said with, you know, Mm -hmm. not using guards and everything. And you were in, I mean, man, that is not luck. That is just you taking the proper steps of becoming who you need to become. Absolutely. I would never say that was luck. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. How long were you there
1: for? So I was there for nine months and I thought for sure that I would be there for years. And I would thought, so ultimately my goal was to become my own boss and open up my own barber shop. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I'm good at the art of shaving they had this program where eventually you moved from hourly to commission at 50% commission oh, wow. and it was $40 haircuts and $60 straight shaves. Right. So I went from doing $5 haircuts in barber school to doing $40 haircuts at the Over art of there. shaving. Yeah. yeah. In one week, you know, one week on Friday, I did a freaking $5 haircut on Tuesday of the next week. I was 40, doing a $40 haircut. Your value went up yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. Value. Yeah. So, but, but they had this program where you could move to commission 50, 50, so I wouldn't be making a lot more money than I was before mm-hmm. uh, just at at hourly. So so like I was gonna work toward that goal and just stay there for a while and build a bunch of experience and then maybe a clientele. Yeah, and then maybe someday open my own barbershop. Right. So nine months in, one of my regulars comes in and he says, Dude, I've got a friend that's a painter and he's putting these motorcycle paintings in this amazing motorcycle museum down in Springville. He's like, You've got to go down there and check that out because I think a barbershop would be perfect in there. And I was like, oh, dude, I am not ready to open my own shop. Like, I haven't even been here a year yet. I'm good. He's like, dude, just come down and check it out. So I ended up driving with him, like, maybe a month later, down to Legends Motorcycles in Springville. And right. this is while it was still being, like, remodeled and everything. It wasn't. They had just moved from a smaller building in Springville over to this car dealership. Mm-hmm. And were taking over that whole building. And he was remodeling it. Which and what is making it's it, where it is now, right? Yeah, where it is now, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I walked in there and I saw that place and I was like, oh, hell yes. Like, because I was nervous to leave Salt Lake and go so far south because I heard, and again, this is just what I heard, that people were a lot more frugal in like, you know, Utah County and even Southern Utah County. They're well, it's well known, yeah. Frugal people think that and very all the time. conservative. And I was like, well, dude, I mean. Cheap Mormons. I mean, like, like how much am I going to be able to charge for a haircut down there? You know, 12, 15 bucks, which is what everybody charges. Provo's got some nice shops that charge more. But anything past Provo, you're like 12, 15 bucks for, for a men's yep. haircut, you know, uh, maybe 20 if you're going to, sports cause her aunt trips. does it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I go down to the legends building. I see the building. I'm super impressed. And I meet the owner. He happened to be there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so my, my client introduced me to the owner cause he had met him before when he went down with his painter friend. And he said, yeah, this, this guy wants to put a barbershop in here. And I was like, well, what do you think, Rick? You know, his yeah. name's Rick. Would you, would you have some space for me to do a barbershop? He said, yeah, I, I can build you out a small space. He's like, I don't, I don't think it's going to work, but we can give it a try. Oh, so he was doubting from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he was open to the idea. He had money to, to spare, to like build right. out a little space for me inside the building. Uh, and so he did. And, uh, And so I ended up leaving the art of shaving, you know, nine or nine or 10 months in and going down to Springville and opening the refinery barbershop. So talk, this is, I'm excited we're here now because I've wondered this since the beginning. Thank you for suffering through all that other stuff. No. Oh my gosh. It is like,
0: that is the meat and potatoes. This is the, this is the cherry on top of everything. I don't know if anyone has cherries on top of meat and potatoes, but that your whole story is what I is leading into this conversation where I have some key questions because, okay, it's just going to tie everything together and I think it's going to be so beneficial for everybody. Mm-hmm. So what starting a business, isn't a joke, right? I mean, that's a big step for you to go mm-hmm. from making X amount an hour to I'm going to start my own barber shop, where I don't know if I'm going to have clientele. I have to mm-hmm. pay for chairs. I have to pay for this. Yeah. Um, it's kind of scary. So what was that transition like from go, especially going from a government position of this is secure. I'm mm-hmm. getting a paycheck to, you're now, I mean, you are now an entrepreneur. You yes. own a business. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what that transition was like from security to I need a ride or die. Like, this is sink or swim. I lynch
1: myself with my own leash. This is what I need to do. Okay. Um, first of all, you have to underst- like, know my attitude going into it. Um, when I When I saw the Legends building, when I met Rick, when I saw the space that he was going to, you know, provide me for a barbershop mm-hmm. i had absolutely zero doubts in my head that it was going to fail or that, that, it, that it was going to succeed that it wasn't going to fail like i knew it's it was work. going to work it failure and i know people say failure is not an option man. <laughs> like i guess it always is but in my mind like it wasn't even i wasn't even thinking like i'm not gonna let it fail there's no way it's gonna fail. like It just wasn't even, the thought, the word failure never even came into my head. I was so excited and I had so much confidence in myself, which was new for me. Mm -hmm. But after everything I went through, you know, uh, at the sheriff's office and getting out of there and going to barber school and then seeing how I could go from barber school to this really prestigious barber job at the art shaving, like, like I had, I I just had complete 100% self-confidence. Like I knew I was going to make it work. Like I knew that barbering was my fucking jam. Mm -hmm. Like this is what I do. This is what I'm good at. Like this is going to work. So that was my attitude. I didn't even think about failure, you know, not even, not even for a second. Like I knew it was going to work. So that was my attitude going into it. So it was fun for me. Mm -hmm. I really wasn't that nervous, you know, but one of the things I did do was I got a partner. Mm -hmm. like I went in 50, even though it was my gig, like I found the space and I met the guy and you know, all that stuff. And like, he was kind of dealing with me. I went and grabbed one of my fellow students when I was in barber school. Uh, and I said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to partner up with me in this opportunity? And that made me feel a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And now I'm kind of now that I know how to do it on my own, I'm glad I don't have a partner anymore. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, as a new person to own, owning a business and starting a business, it felt really good to have a partner, right? And that was Dana. And oh, she's I love amazing. Dana. Yeah, she's, Dana's she's the great. best. Yeah, so she, I miss Dana. And we got along great, mm-hmm. and she brought all of these things to the table that I didn't have. Like she's very creative and artistic, like with. Logos and using computers right. and all and this crap. That I don't know. Well, yeah, and she's oh, like a freaking cage fighter. Oh my! I mean, she's gosh, a badass she, lady. The, yeah, you know, and, and she's so connected in like the Provo, Orem, Utah Scene. County area. Right. Yeah, like she was training at at the Pit back when that was a place like that big MMA gym. Right, and she knew all these fighters and was getting them to come down to the shop, and that's how we ended up getting Court McGee, who's a like oh, a, yeah. like a Twenty-one time UFC veteran, an amazing human being, and an amazing—he would be a great one for your podcast. Oh, we could tell get him on! I'd on love here. to have yeah, him on. He's amazing. Tell him, tell uh, him, say, uh, hey,
0: I got a podcast for you. I'd love to have him on. I'm always looking for guests. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I
1: will. I will. Um, yeah, so so she had some some connections. So she had like this inner circle of people that would start coming to the shop and kind of you know help you know spread the word and and build it you know. But it was our job. Like we can have people. Help us get a butt in the chair one time, but it's now it's on me to get that person to come back a second right time. and like we recommend have to we have to live up to the hype, we have to deliver, and that's what we did really, really good was mm-hmm. we delivered, you know um, like you are part of a family tree yeah, of clients I am. that's probably fifty deep that all started with one guy, and if I didn't do a good job on that first guy none of you guys would have would have been here and we wouldn't even know each other that is know? a crazy
0: tree too. the connections yeah
1: i just found out someone
0: else that goes to your barbershop tanner johnson oh yeah uh-huh. i love tanner yeah he's awesome he man. is the man we yes. were just we grabbed lunch the other day and he's like i go get my hair cut and i was like where you go he's like refinery barbershop probably never
1: heard of it i was like dude if he happens to listen to this tell him he needs to come and pick up his Jacket that he's had at my shop for like three weeks I now. Tell him. It's a nice Patagonia jacket. I'm oh, yeah, I'm going to go pick it up. It. Yeah, someone come pick he's up this jacket. He's a big dude, though. It'll be a yeah. sleeping bag for me. Yeah, it's huge. It <laughs> is huge. Yeah, so, um, and, and I guess that goes back to being present. You know, like, if I'm putting, and this is a good lesson for anybody wanting to start a business or, like, if doing whatever it is they're doing, instead of thinking about what's going to happen in the future, just be present. And if the only thing I'm thinking about and focusing on is this haircut and this man or young man that's sitting in my chair, if I am 100% right then and there, the future is going to take care of itself because I'm going to do my best work when I'm not in the past and I'm not in the future, but I'm right here and now. I'm not thinking about what I'm doing when I get home and I'm not thinking about, you know, like how I just want to hurry up and get this day over with so I can go, you know, play ball or ski or whatever. Like if I'm just... 100% 100% in there the, in that space, I will give the best quality haircut and shave that I can, mm-hmm. and then that person will go and they will leave happy and they will spread the word, you know. And that's how I. That's how Dana and I built that whole business. Like we barely put any word money into into uh, a- advertising. We don't have a sign out front. There's no barber pole out front. We're just, yeah, yeah like nobody knows you're there unless somebody has told you about us. And you, you know, yeah, uh, you
0: don't have your Instagram isn't like a and Instagram no, we with don't, thousands no. of followers. No, We
1: don't even post on it very often, yeah. which is my bad. I need to start <laughs> doing that more. I'm just not a big social media guy. Well, You guys but. don't
0: even have room. You guys don't even have enough chairs to be
1: filled. I mean, yeah. You, you try to sign up to get a haircut
0: by you and you're like three weeks out. And I'm like, all right, well yeah. what about the original people that came first? I,
1: like I know. Well well I mean, yeah, <laughs> dude, I didn't make me feel bad. Man. <laughs> Jeez. God. Dude, I'm sorry. No, but you guys uh, are busy. Yeah, we're really busy. But it's it's all been word of mouth. That isn't all word of mouth. But in this new shop that we're building now we'll actually be out on the street we'll have signs and we'll be part of a little shopping complex which should generate a lot more oh, it's like walking traffic and you know stuff like that so i think it's going to jack our business pretty pretty significantly but well you anyways, guys we'll so come
0: back to the beginning of this the selling process okay. i guess of you guys but at one point you guys jacked up the prices because you were mm-hmm. getting so full
1: yeah and and it was because our clients were complaining about how hard it was to get in so they're like dude you need to raise your prices and get some of these like cheaper guys to get out, you know, of, here. Get out of here and make ro- more, more room for your that's regular. How good, you that's know. how good he is. Oh, that is
0: how he's worth the 40. <laughs> yeah. It's a therapy session, uh, massage se- session, massage and a haircut mm. all in one in, in repentance. Mm-hmm. You go there and tell him all your sins and he just listens and then you feel confident to go and do your own thing. He's the man.
1: So you. you guys raised your price. Yeah, and, and then that was actually the the people that were really barking at me to raise my prices are all part of that same family tree that you that you're a part of. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. is the tree. Mm-hmm. We all
0: complain about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're all like, man, we can't even get to Steve. But now we go to
0: Brax. If you're too busy, we
1: need Mm -hmm. to get one the next day. But yeah, and Braxton, dude, he's his game is getting strong. Like he's doing a lot of haircuts every day, and he's he's really getting a good skill set. Oh, absolutely. And then we just hired another one. I haven't met her yet, Marcy. Yeah, she's cool. She's she's an experienced barber. She owned her own shop for a while. Decided that wasn't the way she wanted to go. Just wants to do it part time, so I just give oh. her I just give her my chair a couple days a week. Okay, and, and she'll have, have her own, own when it yeah, and when the new one opens, she'll have her own spot. Nice. So yeah. how
0: many barbers are you gonna have in the new one?
1: I'm gonna start with just the three of us and see how it see how it goes. You can uh, convince Rick to be a barber? Rick the owner? No, Rick my oh. brother. Oh dude, hell yeah. I would love to. He yeah, needs to come be a that. barber. He'd be so good. Yeah. Just yeah. talk people's talk to people and he'd be awesome. Yeah. I would like to do apprenticeships because I I do have my instructor's license. Do you? Yeah. I did go back. So after I graduated and after I I opened the refinery barbershop, I started going up and teaching like either in the, like before my shift at the, at at my shop or after I would go teach at the barber school Mm -hmm. just to give back to those, to those people at that school that saved my life in so many ways. Right. So I wanted to go. So I got my instructor's license, and I taught. Wow. So I can do apprenticeships. I can't right now. I don't have enough chairs. But once I have more chairs in the new shop, I'll be able to apprentice, which is something I'm looking to. That'd forward be incredible. To. Yeah. Wow. So. So. Um, anyway, yeah. I <laughs> hope we didn't, didn't didn't detract too much. No. So it's so going by starting the business. My attitude was that it's it's going to work. Mm-hmm. I know I can do this. I have no doubts in myself, and I got a partner that could bring things. We were a good balance for each other. Where I was weak, she was strong and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So it balanced out really well. And I think that was a huge key to our success was having, picking a good partner. I'm not saying you always have to do that. Right. Because a lot of times partnerships go South, you know, even if it's one of your really good friends or even a family member, you know, once money gets involved, like people get crazy falls apart. Yeah. So I picked a really good partner. Uh, and and so yeah, and now I I own the shop outright. She ended up moving to Saint George after her husband retired, and so she opened up her own shop. It's called Benchmark. If anybody's down in Saint George, George, yeah, area. you gotta check out Dana at Benchmark Barbershop. And so I just bought her half the shop, so now I own it outright, mm-hmm. and that has been a huge increase in my income. You yeah. know, just having these other people. The
0: new truck outside, yeah, the new Tacoma, yeah, TRD. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> 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 can't wait to take that out uh, after this. Yeah,
1: it's. Yeah, it's fun. I had it down in Moab this last weekend. Did about oh, really? 75, 80 miles on just like dirt roads with sand dunes oh. and just like washboard sections, and it it's just beautiful truck. Like a dream, yeah. It's oh yeah, it's, man. Amazing. it's yes. a dream truck. It is my dream truck. That is that is my dream vehicle. So oh really? Yeah, so you did I've it. I've always wanted Hit yeah, just a board. murdered out Tacoma you know and, so. and you have one you have the yes. meanest Tacoma I've ever seen oh, dude, oh thank my you goodness it is gnarly <laughs> and that's just how it came it's not all broed out yet you know i haven't even really done anything to it it just came that way and you're getting ready you to know? just are you yeah, going to lift you know, well, it What's that? Are you gonna put a lift on it? Well, it's already got a lift. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just want to do some stuff to make it more camp ready because I spend on plan to spend a lot of time outside. Like those campers something.
0: that put on the back of the bed. Yeah, like
1: yeah, like, like maybe put a bed rack in and then put that tent thing up on oh, top. Yeah. Of, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to. I follow an account on wood. Instagram that builds those things. They're like sixty grand, but it's like top
0: of the line. It goes on a Raptor and it's just a full on tent. You put a king size oh, mattress yeah, in it up there.
1: Wow, that yeah, that might be a little. I mean that's heavy too much, yeah but that's, yeah, it's a little, that's like an investment that. but
0: yeah, yeah. it's that's so sweet definitely. i'll send it to you later yeah, but it's okay. like super cool sweet so at the beginning how long did it take for you guys to get um a client not necessarily like one client but consistently every day because you weren't in the black originally you weren't making right. money yeah. right the day you decided to make a business mm-hmm. no, right. so, no you.
1: You, so uh it probably took close to a year to where Dana and I were averaging eight to 10 haircuts each a day.
0: So patience. It took, it, it took, a, 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 it yeah, took a, it took a while. Took a yeah. What was the original price of your guys's haircuts?
1: Uh, well we started at 40. Like I wanted to be at the same price I was at, at the art of shaving. I was right. like, I've already proven this is what I'm worth. So This is what I'm going to be at. And nobody would sit in our chairs for 40 bucks. Nobody, oh, they would come up, Hey man, how much is a haircut? $40. Oh, right. See you later. Thank Have a you. good one. Yeah. I'm going to go to Craig's cuts. Yep. You know, so I dropped it to 25 and within, within a few months of dropping to 25, we were booking out every day. Oh, okay. Cause we start people would give us a chance at 25. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to give us a chance at 40. Um, so yeah, we, it was, it was a 25, a cut and it took about a year before we were averaging, you know, eight, 10 a day, eight, 10. You know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah.
0: at the beginning, was it pretty exciting when you'd fill a chair?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, what did it feel like a little yeah. win every time? Yeah, but every every one of them was like an audition. It was like okay, like I need to be present. I need to be doing my best work mm-hmm. because he'll come back if he's happy, and he'll tell his friends about it. And I, and he's wearing my art and my on product head. on his head or on his face uh, with a beard trim or whatever. So yeah, so it was. Uh, yeah, it was very, in, in, I treated every one of them like it was and at like that it be- was a job interview almost. Like, yeah, you know? I mean, you almost
0: have to because I never even thought about that, but you wear, they wear your work. Yes. People always ask about haircuts. Mm-hmm. Where did you get that? Where do you yeah. go? How much did it cost? Was there ever a point when you were doubting, not doubting that it would work, but doubting like, man, I should have stayed at, you know, $40 and... $40 a cut up North Yard and shaving. Yeah, yeah, we don't have that many clients right now. We're
1: waiting. It's taking time. Mm-hmm. Did the patients ever run thin? No, no, because I, I think I'm a fairly patient person anyway, mm-hmm. but I expected it to be slow for a while. And so it didn't worry me like, yeah, we definitely had to, 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 uh, you know, make some sacrifices. Like I asked my ex wife if she would go back to work for a little while mm-hmm. just to help out. So she went back to dental assisting for a little while when we first opened just to take a little bit of heat off me, but she didn't have to do it for very long. Okay. You know. So
0: there was a point when the money flow wasn't coming in the way that you wanted yeah. it to. And yeah.
1: But we never went without, mm-hmm. you know, like I always, we, we always made it work. You Found know? A I, way. Yep. I didn't an- just enough haircuts and with her income, we were okay. And, like I don't, I don't want to get political at all. Like, I I hate politics, but I'm really grateful for the whole Obamacare thing because mm-hmm. we would not have had health insurance otherwise. Okay. You know, once once I left the sheriff's office, it was so hard to get health insurance, and so I'm grateful that that, that, that was, was there so that my kids could have health insurance in that you time know? of you building the business, yeah. right? So, so so again, just like it was just a you know yeah everything just just worked out okay
0: perfectly yeah. it just all kind mm-hmm. of fell into yeah. place it wasn't
1: easy we were not wealthy by any means you know um, but uh but yeah like we were building something that was that was ours well i you feel know, like especially it felt even so good
0: yeah well and you built i think that's the beauty of it taking a year that you guys had to build for 8 to 10 chairs a day when now that's simple is you remember those hard times. Like you had that patience, you had that grind. Mm -hmm. And I, hearing you talk earlier about how you had no doubt that it was going to work. I almost feel like you felt that way because of the little wins that you were gathering after your anxiety attack. You were building your confidence up because you were doing little things that meant something to you. So your self-confidence was growing and then there was no doubt that it was going to work. Like when you said that you knew you were valued at $40 a haircut, that was mm-hmm. a confidence builder for you mm-hmm. to know that Refinery was going to work. Yeah. And now Refinery is more than working, it's a machine for you that is just incredible. I mean, it's awesome. But the hair industry, similar to photography or one of those niche professions, especially here in Utah, I feel like it's very saturated. Mm-hmm is a difficult barrier to break Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people trying to do it right now I mean my little brother Alec he's trying to break the barrier right now of becoming a photographer Mm -hmm. so Haley I don't know if I told you that she just graduated from hair school Mm -hmm. so now she's trying to build a clientele Mm -hmm. and she just started at a salon yeah but it's it's they complain of not complain there's a real difficulty in the saturation of what they're doing before building credibility and Mm -hmm. building a clientele. So, and maybe it's not those two niches, but what is some advice or lessons that you've learned in your entrepreneurship, building your business, creating your empire, that could help people along the way trying to do the same thing Mm -hmm. and achieving their dream and becoming, you know, what they want to become.
1: Right this is this is a point that i try to drive home that's a really good question i feel very passionately about this exact thing so i think i have a good answer for you here ready for it and hope you're listening back there my man this applies to you too Um, (laughs) when people sit in my chair they don't know the difference between a really good haircut and a perfect haircut when people look at your photography they don't the average person doesn't know the difference between the perfect photo and a really good photo, right? So while that is an important quality to do your absolute very best work, to do the perfect haircut, to do the perfect photograph, uh, to do the perfect color on a on a woman's hair or whatever it is you're doing, do that for you. And say this i see you you talk about me being methodical and i get too methodical and i (laughs) say it just like just the perfect way do that for you okay but the client isn't there letting you take the photos or letting me cut their hair because they know it's the most perfect haircut they're going to get in all of utah they're there because they love me and because i love them It's about your personality. It's about who you are as a person that's gonna set you apart from every other barber, stylist, photographer, whatever. Nobody can compete with that. Nobody can be me. Like there can be another barbershop down the street where a guy can get a great haircut, but they like hanging out with me. Yeah. And in return, I like hanging out with them. I love the people that sit in my chair. Mm-hmm. I love you dude like I love everybody that sits in my barber chair and I love what I do and that's what sets me apart and that's what's going to sit in a, in a in a place where you have you know there's, there's like 30 or 40 thousand licensed cosmetologists in the state of Utah what yeah. is it that's going to set you apart from everybody else it's that the people want to come and spend time with you so focus on that you know do do the best work for yourself because it's satisfying to do the perfect fade right. you know or to take the perfect photograph or whatever do that for you because the client and it's not insulting to the client like they just don't like most of them don't really they know when they leave my chair that they're looking great oh yeah you know time. but they don't notice all the little details all the little transition points between like the sides of the head and the top of the head. They don't mm-hmm. notice like the perfect line around the ear and the back of the neck. Like they just look at it and be Oh yeah, that looks really good. Thank you. Like those little artistic things, those are for you to bring you satisfaction in your work. Right. And so it brings you joy, you know, producing this perfect, you know, product, mm-hmm. but to set you apart from everybody else, it's how you love the people that you that you do business for the way that you treat them the experience that you provide for them it's like there's there's some really good barbershops in 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 the valley but there's like a lot of douchebag barbers out there <laughs> and it's like even if they're giving you a really good haircut if you don't look forward to the experience mm-hmm. like and they're just and, and there's douchebags in every line of work. It's not just barbering, you know, right, Again, no, I really yeah. there's not a lot of barbers listening to this and being <laughs> all like no guards and don't be a douchebag. All right. <laughs> you know, it's, um, but really it's like, like people love the refinery barbershop because of the people that run the refinery barbershop. Right. Absolutely. You know, and yes, we do a good haircut. Yes. You can be sure that you're going to leave with something that works for your face, for your lifestyle, for, uh, you know, for your hair type, it's going to be a good quality cut but people come because they never know what the hell's gonna come out of my mouth. <laughs> you know? It's always so good like, stuff. It's yeah, you know, stuff. Like, like they love and they feel welcome there, and I'm always so grateful. I don't even like to use the word tip in, in my shop, period. Like, I don't care if you leave me a tip or not. If you give me the asking price for my haircut, I am happy, but because of that, I get tipped like crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, I have dudes that will come into my shop, I'll I will have stayed late for them, So I've like, I've kind of got somewhere I got to be, but yes, I'll stay late for you. I don't say that, but I'll be like, I'm knowing like, shit, I really got, I really got to get out of the shop. But like, yes, I'll stay late for you. Just get here as quick as you can. I'll give you the haircut. They'll come in. It's a $35 haircut. They'll throw a hundred dollar bill down on my counter and walk out, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, and happens all the time. Like, because they know that I am going the extra mile for them that I'm putting in that extra time because I love them. And they and they know that, that, that I love what I do. So I think that's the most important thing is focus on you as a person and the person that you present to your clientele and to the world because nobody else can be you. It doesn't matter, like, how good this other barber is. Like, if he doesn't have the personality, if he doesn't love what he does, if he doesn't love the people that sit in his chair, if he doesn't create an atmosphere of fun and making people look good and feel good and smell good, it's like... It doesn't matter how, how, how good you can cut hair. Right. You know? So focus on those other things. And I think that, that you'll be successful in, in, in whatever you do. I really believe that. Wow. You know? Yeah. I love it. That's what sets you apart is yeah. you. The authenticity. Else
0: you. Yeah. The authenticity and going 110%.
1: Yeah. No matter what you do, if you own a window business, window tinting or something like that, the way that you deal with your customers is going to speak more than the work that you do. Obviously, you need to do good work, right? But like, people would rather deal with a cool ass person than with a freaking turd, you know? (laughs) So like, you know, like Johnny the deuce. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Focus on those other things, and and love, love what you do, and love the people that you that you do it for.
0: Inspiration,
1: man. Well, thank you. I I, I can't say that enough. How important love is Mm -hmm. in all of this, you know? It, It 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 is so important. Just carrying Yes. Just a little. Showing genuine gratitude and concern and craftsmanship or pride in what you do. Like all of those things. Like I look at being a barber. It's like, yes, I'm doing a haircut. And yes, I'm getting paid to do it. But really what's happening is I'm taking a human being and I have him for the next 30 minutes to an hour. And I am going to share my life with him and I am going to do what I can to get him to share his life with me. And while that's happening and we're bonding and connecting as human beings, I am creating something with his hair, whether it's on his face or his head or both, I'm creating something that when he, when I spin him around and he looks in the mirror, he's happy with what he sees and he smiles that's a beautiful gift to give to somebody man so many people are not happy with who they are and what they see when they look in the mirror and to me being a barber is like giving them the gift of being happy when they look in the mirror oh yeah I look good like I'm gonna nail this job interview like this cut is getting me so many compliments and so much attention like I'm going to get laid tonight because of this haircut. Like I just know it, you know, like <laughs> yeah. whatever it is, like the, that is kind of part of my job is getting dudes laid, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, like yeah, it, that's kind of a cool job, you know? <laughs> like, job. Yeah, like people me? like you when you're getting them laid, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah, like I, I feel like I'm giving people the gift of, of like being happy with what they see and boosting their confidence a little bit, you know, and giving them a place where they can come and share their life outside of the, you know, Coworkers and even wives and kids and all that stuff it's like it's almost like a little club where the fellas can come and just open up and be themselves and let go of ego and pride and strength and if they need to cry they cry and if they they've been pissed all day we bring them in there I'll tell them some crazy story about my life and they laugh or whatever right. it's like it's healing it's it's a it's so much more than just a haircut to me mm-hmm. and because I believe that I think that's what makes me different than maybe other barbers I don't know.
0: it absolutely even you mm-hmm. getting choked up just talking about it yeah. makes you different than ninety nine percent of other barbers. It's just incredible the way that you guys you've literally built this barber shop that is nowhere else that is top of the line based mm-hmm. on your passion, based on your experiences, based on your love. Based on your 110% and mindfulness and almost like what we talked about earlier, living in the present moment in everything that you're doing. And that's how you built it. Mm -hmm. Wasn't marketing, wasn't branding, Mm -hmm. which all are important. I mean, Refinery has incredible branding. Those are Mm -hmm. all things. But what came first and most important was
1: your love and your compassion and your drive and your authenticity. Gratitude too it 's a huge one man gratitude I mean like i 've got people that come to my shop i've i 've cut their hair over a hundred times, and every time I still treat them like it 's the first time they came in, dude, thank you so much for coming to the shop like thank you for your generosity, thank you for your time, thank you for supporting my business you know thank you, thank you, thank you you know uh, and and i don't i don't know if I always make the smartest business decisions like I like throwing people a t-shirt right. or like a can of product, you know, or something Take like it, that. Like yeah. just, yeah, like if someone's a regular and they've, they're they always by product and one times you're like, here, dude, just, yeah, products on me. I just want to say thank you for, for being here and for sharing your life with me and you know, making me love my job right. you know, so yeah. much, you know, like just thank you for being here. Like little things like that, I think are, I, and I don't look at it as a, as a business decision, but it's just me showing gratitude, but it does volumes for, oh, absolutely. for, for my business, you know? Um, so, yeah and then and then i think another another key is the way that i treat the barbers that work with me you know like i love them as well right. and people can feel that when they walk when you walk into some place and the employees are pissed mm-hmm. you can feel it right when you walk Tension. in the door it would yeah. like like my barber braxton i don't want to like put him on black. <laughs> but th- like at least once a month he will call me at like midnight after he's had a few whiskeys and just be like dude I love working for you so much. Like like, (laughs) my life is so good because of your shop. Like I wouldn't want to work with anybody else for anybody else. Thank you so much for the opportunity to do that. And like, and he'll do it like once a month, he does that. And it just makes me feel like a million bucks, you know, because now not only have I created a beautiful situation for myself to earn a living, but now other people are getting to benefit from that culture of love and fun and art and just like that i've created right you know in that little tiny space inside of legends of motorcycles man it's just a it's, it's just a crazy a, culture yeah. it's one of the
0: best environments one of the most home away from home environments that you will ever
1: feel mm-hmm. anywhere else thank you that means a lot to me man you're very you, much
0: 100 uh, always feel accepted 100 percent always know that you're accepted and wanted to be there mm-hmm And that you would give someone the shirt off your back
1: if they came in and they you didn't even know them, you would do it absolutely, man. And and that's more important than than the haircut. Even though that's what we're doing is haircuts and beard trims, it's all that other stuff that makes us busy. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, is is because the the, that that exact thing, the love, man, love and gratitude. Wow. Yeah. This has been so awesome. I have, I have two,
0: I have two questions for you that I I think Mm -hmm. you'll have some, some great commentary on. Okay. So for those who are currently not in, um, something they love, aren't passionate about it, can't give that 110% and can't be themselves right now because they don't feel like this, they're fulfilling their calling or fulfilling their potential. How do you recommend that someone who isn't necessarily on their journey or on their path can find it or become the person that they want to become
1: and develop the skills and the talents to become that person? Okay. Um, In my opinion, this, this may not be exactly what you were expecting me to say, but this is what I believe is for me the answer to that question. Start with your own body. Start with uh, like, there are so many things outside of our control, but our bodies are something that we can immediately have an influence on and change and get a W. Mm -hmm. You know, when you clean your body, when you make improvements in your health, uh, when you develop good habits for your health, like starting from right here in, in, in the body, that is the catalyst to mental acuity, physical strength, um, endurance, being able to go and do the things that you need to do or want to do without needing as much sleep and without needing as much food mm-hmm. and all those things like start with the thing that you can control. Cause there isn't a lot in this life that you can, but the body is one of them mm-hmm. and get, get the body in check and your whole outlook on everything else will change. And you might find that through that process, you end up starting to love what you're already doing, Mm -hmm. or you start to clear up space to think of the things that you love to do, but that could also be lucrative. Um, You know, start, start within. And not just the physical body, but again, going back to that whole kind of zany Buddhisty shit about just being yeah. present. Right. You know, get out of the past. Stop living in your memories. Stop regretting. Stop, oh, man, I should have done this. I should have said that. And stop trying to put your mind to the task of dealing with where you're going to be five years from now. Like, you can set a goal for five years from now. But as soon as you've done that, go back to what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. This is the moment that we have. This is what matters. This is the only thing that's real, is you and I sitting here talking to each other. Chatting. Nothing else. Nothing else is real. And this. This is it. This right is now th- in this moment, you know. Right. So be present and start with taking back control of your body, and and get get into your body and and get a W there. Make a make make a win that way, and it will free up all sorts of space. You know, and create mm-hmm. opportunity for you to act on opportunities when when they come along, and clear up space in your mind to, to to think of those things that you love to do and how you can do it in a way that makes you money or makes you happy. You know, yeah. Is that? Is, no, does yeah. that sound good? I mean, I know yeah. that might be a little bit off. You're just, what you, you just you just have all but, the answers.
0: Have you re- but, have you mm-hmm. read the poem "The Man in the Looking Glass"? I have not. It's one of my favorite poem sayings. Ever And it talks about that exact thing that before you can be happy or successful, Mm -hmm. the things that go through life's past, you'll only be happy if you can stare at the man in the glass is pretty Mm -hmm. much what it's saying. And it's basically that you have to become aware and take care of yourself and be okay with what you're doing and your integrity and your loyalty and the actions that you're taking um, health wise. Uh, spiritually emotionally mm-hmm. and you conquer yourself first and once you conquer yourself first you begin to conquer everything else right but it all starts with you so you're just over here just Some of the most famous poems to ever (laughs) be said. You're over here just quoting them like you're some philosopher. So it's just. Maybe that
1: just means I'm on the right path, I guess. Yeah. I I think I am. I I think I'm doing the right things. You are. You know, making the right choices. Well, knowing you,
0: yeah. I think. Do you know who? Ed Milet is a motivational speaker that talks a lot about working and telling yourself that you deserve what you're going Mm -hmm. after and what he means is by he says like making your bed you start by making your bed and that's a little win like you were just talking about and Mm -hmm. then cleaning up your room your clothes and then going to the gym but you're fulfilling all of these things that you're telling yourself you're going to fulfill if you say you're going to do the dishes you do the dishes Mm -hmm. you say you're going to call your mom you call your mom and you do everything 110 percent And those little wins turn out to be a big win. But when you start self-doubting is when you don't fulfill things that Mm -hmm. you've told yourself. And once you start getting those little wins and you're working hard and you're pushing yourself to a limit you never thought you'd push yourself, you start to believe that you will earn things that you never thought you deserved and earned. And you are a spitting image of little wins, working hard, and earning and deserving things that you deserve and you've earned for yourself after Mm -hmm. all of those trials. Um, with your family, with not graduating high school, with Mm -hmm. everything that's come along in your story, being suicidal to now being one of the best guys I know and having the greatest barbershop in the history of barbershops, which is now growing and expanding, and everyone needs to go get their hair cut there. Thank you so much for being a part of Bryology 2019, the very first episode of Bryology that uh, is happening and rebooting this whole systematic, hopefully growing podcast that I have started. Do you want to give yourself a subtle plug of where you can be found on Instagram, Springville, the address and how yeah, they can book sure. an appointment with yeah, you? Yeah, thank you. Yes.
1: It. So it's uh, I, I run the refinery barbershop. We're in Springville inside of Legends Motorcycles. It's uh, 1715 West, 500 South. Um, right next to the Strap Tank Brewery, if any of you have been there, uh, off the 400 South exit in Springville. Um, we have a website refinerybarbershop.com, and then just the same thing, Facebook and Instagram, just the Refinery Barbershop. Yep. And some of it might even be just Refinery Barbershop, not the on the front. I don't even remember. That's <laughs> how shitty I am with <laughs> social media. But yeah, just type in Refinery Barbershop. Yeah, you'll you'll find us. And quickly. what's your name? Full name? I'm Steven
0: Roccozella. Steven Roccozella, yes, thank sir. you for being a part of Briology. This has been an honor for me. Thank you so much. An honor for me as well, my friend. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. All right, guys. If you liked that podcast, please, 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 it would mean the world to me if you c- could subscribe, rate it five stars. If you hated it, write it, rate it one star, but please, and if you could post it on your social media on a story and tag me at Bryant Black. I'll repost it. It would mean so much if you could just help me get the word out there. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time.